0: Welcome to Hoy Talk, a talk show on YouTube and major podcast platforms. We speak up on Filipino topics that are less commonly talked about, and maybe even taboo, while also amplifying Filipino voices in the community. I'm your host, April, and I would like to acknowledge that this episode is being recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional lands of First Nations and Métis people. So today, um, we're taking a dive into one of everyone's favorite topics, food. More specifically, we're talking about Filipino food and a chef's interesting relationship with it. Speaking of which, my dream was actually to become a chef. And so I'm super excited. When I was little, food and cooking was one of the main activities that brought my family together. And I wanted to share that with the world, but my dream was quickly discouraged. I was met with laughter and some ridicule on my career choice. And needless to say, I am not a chef. I wonder if our guest today has experienced something similar. I guess we'll find out. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome him to the show. So Chef Earl, thank you so much for joining us. How are you?
1: Uh, I'm good. It's a day off, so it's always good.
0: Yeah. So on your days off, we're... uh, you're still technically, you know, talking about food. So here we are. But um, I just wanted to (laughs) expand more on Chef. um, Shows Chef Earl Biones has been hustling from food trucks to fine dining for nearly two decades, winning various awards and recognition. And through history and balancing tradition and art, he aims to create memorable experiences for whoever comes to, to his table. Chef Earl is active in the community as he um, had an appearance on Food Network's Fire Master Season 2, featured in an online exhibit, The Filipino and Me, Insights into Living Heritage Gallery by the Philippines Art Council, um, and assisting youth with cooking-related interests with Make-A-Wish Canada, and recently had a collab with Philly Sticks, which is how we actually met. And despite all this, here's a fun fact, he was a former anthropology student. So... Could you talk more about the projects you've been involved with, like with Philistics and the Philippines Art Council?
1: Yeah, um, honestly, it's <clears throat> been a great honor to be even with the Filipino Arts Council. Um, they do really good work. So, <clears throat> um, anyway, we did the dinner that we met, um, which was called Rice and Mysticism. <clears throat> um, so with that, that was a service to not only the food, but the history of, our cuisine that probably isn't told. With the Arts Council, I've worked with them, like you said, with a project called um, Filipino In Me Insights into Culinary her- or Insights into Heritage. <clears throat> that was really cool to me because um, uh, A, the invitation as a chef is not usually there, but mm-hmm. um, it allowed me to showcase um, food as art. And in our case, in our cuisine, um, that might not be the most important thing, but you see it in the how food is presented and how food looks like and colors and everything. So, um, yeah, those two projects have been kind of spurting, um yeah. not only my want to do Filipino-based cuisine, but also just try to figure out more about who we were before, like, you know, colonizers came in. right.
0: And so is there anything uh, besides like what we said in the intro that you'd like to add about yourself? Well, that that's
1: a pretty uh, expansive intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I would say that um, I guess the only thing I would add is that um, <clears throat> I have a lot more things coming in the horizon as well and that... Um, a lot of what I do um, as a chef is actually a benefit or a um, after the matter of fact um, from my interest in anthropology and history. So Mm. um, I guess the only thing to add is I've always been a nerd of some sort in some way. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think those are the only two things that I need to say about me because like when you talk to me in front, it'll be very apparent.
0: Yeah. So I guess that leads into the next question. Like, you did say that, you know, you were in anthropology initially. So what, like, what had you shift to a culinary career?
1: Um, I mean, money. (laughs) Um, I feel like it's a story Mm -hmm. that a lot of Filipino immigrants have. But I mean, when you don't have generational wealth, it's really hard to, you know, go further than what you want to do. And I had a really cool prof on my kind of um, second-ish year where I was like, like, can you please tell me like what the reality of the situation of the this career is? And he pretty much told me like, yeah, like this is the situation. Like, um, essentially, I would need to go into academics longer and then go with longer debt, and like I just could not afford to take on that debt initially it's because i already worked in kitchens to begin with i was a short order cook as i was paid for university
0: uh-huh.
1: <clears throat> and so um one of my minors was supposed to be archaeology because i really love history i really like uncovering past and trying to figure out um, as humans who we are now and society where we are now like how did we get here where did everything from has always been mm-hmm. biggest motivator for my kind of thinking so Honestly, I it's a it's an interesting shift because when you go from anthropology to cooking, I know it's very different things, but uh, a lot of cooking. If you're looking further than like the surface area, you'll find those connections to history. You'll find that every single food piece has a story to tell. So,
0: yeah, there's actually a lot of like things that do connect the two but it goes deeper than like just cooking or being a chef. Yeah. um, Can you expand on that? Yeah, Yeah. um,
1: our food, uh, I should preface, our food and our culture is steeped in a lot of traditions. We're a culture that existed way before the Spanish actually even wrote about us and actually labeled it the Philippines. The very first things they actually did write about us were food Um, and so as my research was kind of going on this it was very evident that when they landed in the Philippines they needed provisions to keep sailing and so yeah one of the ways was one of the very first things they listed down was our food what we had what our provisions were um how abundant it was and like everything like that and so honestly it feels like right now as of this moment like I'm doing my papers again at university all over again, trying to research like the classics and like trying to research like the fall of the Greeks and trying to research like, um, you know, like Egyptian history. Um, these are only histories that I was enamored by and the ones that I followed because I thought it was so cool to have like a history that that's steeped in like the past and like mysticism and mystery. Um, mm-hmm. And then you realize very quickly that, you know, we are living in a culture like that. We are living in a culture that we only know, really, history from the 1500s on, because that's when Magellan and Pigafetta started writing about us. And so that's kind of where it ties into anthropology, is where I'm able to still study history. I'm able to still kind of understand how we got here. But I'm actually just for once focusing on my culture and like, how did our culture get to this point? You know, these are things that aren't taught in university, so to speak, because it's not known. And that a lot of these publications might be taught in, you know, like Filipino university, but in the scope of North America, like not a lot of people really know the history of the Philippines beyond the face value and like maybe like the more modern takes on it. Um, so, yeah, I think to me it's cool that these two careers have kind of finally coalesced together. I wouldn't say it's an easy transition but it's been a very uh not beneficial but like it's been a very uh good one so to speak
0: right and like with your you know different cuisines and histories and putting those two together like what got you into like the fire masters was that something that you were just like how did that come about i'm like so interested because i'm a food network junkie that came about
1: because um i mean who doesn't have illusions of grandeur, right so uh it came about because a i'm a very competitive chef to begin with and person i guess um i love competing i love being able to put yourself out there and like um win or lose regardless of what happens you end up Finding something new about yourself, whether or not it's something new that you needed to be reaffirmed, or something new that, like, oh, I have a new skill or a new goal to like aim for now, like, that's what it gives me, anyways. When I compete, uh, Fire Masters was because uh, everybody's been doing TV and mentioned that I know that's a chef, and I'm like, oh, let's just try it out. And yeah. so, like, I just blindly applied, I've been applying to like Top Chef as well, so like, um but i blindly applied and then they sent me like oh like okay here's the first steps and then you go through several steps of like well they kind of have to figure it out so you're not like a controversial figure just in case you do go on tv and like yeah and then essentially it went through the process got interviewed and then finally got to realize that i have one of the harder like groups for like the competition and i was like well that's cool um (laughs) Yeah, it, it honestly, like, obviously, like, as probably if you've seen it, uh, I got eliminated first. But mm-hmm. to be fair, like, two of my competitors, two of the com- other competitors were like at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And like, I was nowhere near them <laughs> at the time. So, like, you know, you like, compete against someone who's working at a two-star Richland restaurant and someone who like grows their own freaking honey. Like, my those God. two, yeah. They were just very talented and, like, really nice people. Like, um, but even in that loss, like, I think I learned way more from that than I did in winning, to be honest. Because, like, mm-hmm. I got to see what a Michelin star chef looks like and, like, competes, like, in real life. Um, I got to meet. I honestly, like, that guy who grows his own honey is a very nice man. So, like, mm-hmm. I met the new chef friend. And, like, yeah, Chef Firemasters is a mix of. I actually haven't watched the episode fully myself yet yeah Uh, it's always awkward at least for me to watch yourself like doing things yes and like (laughs) and so like (laughs) i haven't really watched the episode its entirety but uh, it was a good experience honestly like it um it shatters a little bit of your perception of cooking um Mm -hmm. of cooking uh food and tv because um you get to see behind the scenes, and then you just can't watch any other cooking competition, other than when, like after that.
0: <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. But I think being put with uh, chefs of that caliber also speaks volumes about like where you're going and things that you're doing.
1: I hope so. I not no one was just trolling me, but <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> like um, they were really tough competitors. Like, I was struggling making potato salad for the first time in my life, Had this. The two-star Michelin chef. I don't remember her name, but mm-hmm. she managed to fold and, like, beautifully prepared, like, a from the scratch, chapati bread. And, like, it's a bread that you need to let rise and then laminate and then fold mm-hmm. and then laminate. And then she did this while doing her main, and we're all just like, what?
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so, like, I turned over, and, like, she's got this bread and this nice dish, and I was like, I I made potato salad. It's like, yo, <laughs>
0: Wow, wow. yeah, I've always wondered. So that's a really interesting insight. You know, moving on to our next kind of topic, I know we've spoken like personally about your goals to inspire the youth and use your skills to bring our community together. So, like, what steps are you taking to do that and reach that goal, and have you had to face any obstacles?
1: I'll start with the last one because I feel like that's an easier one to answer um. Mm-hmm there's like always going to be obstacles, um, whether or not it's within the community or it's personal. I feel like whenever you're trying to do something more than you, like you probably should run into a couple of philosophical questions about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to me, it's like, am I, is it, is what I'm doing actually Like, mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, like I'm doing a lot of cultural-based history dinners, so like I have to make absolutely sure that what I'm saying is accurate and not just like like a, like a like an old tale or like a folklore, right? Like, um, so there's one where you're worried about kind of like offending the people back home, and then mm-hmm. I think any creator in the diaspora can probably attest to that, like that point where yeah. you're not quite sure what you're doing it's Filipino enough, and, um, and then authenticity, right, and so, like, those three are your usual ones, um, I've been lucky enough within the Edmonton community to have almost faced no, like, crab mentality, um, the people that I work with regularly, like, that was the one thing that we all agreed on when we all started working, was that this is for, like, a bigger thing than, like, us, and raising our profiles, like, Obviously we're gonna have to raise our profiles just to make some noise, but what our goals were always is to put a highlight on Filipino food and Filipino culture because all of us within the Bayanihan group, like me, the Phyllis sticks guys are Yellow Royal and like Yellow, uh JP and like anybody else that joined us at the time, um we all wanted a focus on like Filipino food. Not not be the only focus, but at least be within the conversation and scope. Um as for what I'm doing, um, I mean, truly, like, the other struggle is, like, you never feel like you're doing enough. Over um, mm-hmm. yeah. 200,000 of us here, so it's really hard to service 200,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I can do, and then I think to me, what I at least can open is a little bit of doors that, I, that are open to me. And so, you know, for people that are interested in culinary or for people that are already in culinary and are a little bit younger or a little bit still, not quite at the same level i don't really consider those things but i Mm -hmm. need to put words into things and so like you know if you're just starting out you know like i do the dinners and i open it to chefs obviously paid as well because i don't like to hire free labor um to like come in like learn a couple things feel what it feels like to do a pop-up like um you know i try to whenever it's not just flipping into but whenever i try to like make kitchens I try to teach as much as i can like i think that um the best thing i can provide for the community is a little bit of volume a little bit of space and like a little bit of knowledge that i have that i can pass by and like i have never been one to be afraid to teach what i know um i'll also be the first one to say that like i'm still learning pretty much every day so um for the community, like, I just try to be as there as I can and try to be as useful as I can to the bigger organizations that are trying already existing. So, mm-hmm. like, orga- like the Filipino arts community, like, uh, hopefully with Sarah and I at some point, um, you know, like with the POP23 as well, like, just mm-hmm. trying to be there and as much Filipino events as I can to you know help with what I can with, with what reach I do have to like help amplify the volume. And like mm-hmm. i said before in a dinner, like I told this to you as well, where it's like mm-hmm. I'm I'm of belief that like the only way we really achieve that focus and that importance in our culture is if we all have a volume. And we achieve that by uplifting each other and like actually you know teaching our knowledge to to the next person that's actually interested to learn and continuing evolving that because realistically that's also our culture back home is that we continuously evolve even our home-based culture so yeah that's as far as I've been doing for the community um I hope to do more um I hope to do more for like Filipinos, parents and anybody in like the LGBT, LGBT community and mm-hmm. that's kind of my aim as well right now at this point.
0: Mm, that's so awesome and I'm curious because of like, I mean, with what I said in the beginning, like when I said I wanted to be a chef, like I really did. I came into like a lot of like, oh, why, you know, and like a lot of obstacles. And I guess like when you first started or said you wanted to go into the culinary field, were you met with? like those kinds of obstacles like people telling you a why and questioning your move or was it like really supportive
1: I will say like I got lucky because my sisters did support it um maybe not fully outright but like my sisters are the ones that kind of raised me from when I was a teen until like when I was able to kind of make decisions
0: yeah so
1: like uh they kind of understood where my brain was going um Neither of them really kind of expected me to finish university because um, they knew that I wouldn't like like the, the reading and the essay part of it. And so to them, they were expecting me to veer off in a different direction. Um, I will say that to this day, my parents do still try to give me college courses. So mm-hmm. I don't think it ever just abates, um, mm-hmm. but maybe I'm also a little bit different in that in my opinion, it is my life. And so like, as much as I'd like to obviously make my parents happy and fulfilled. And like, I think a lot of first generations can attest, I'm pretty sure you can as well to the fact that, you know, you're pressured to do a job that is guaranteed to make a stable amount of money. And maybe not a lot, but enough that in your parents' perspective that it's enough for you to survive and then pass on and then maybe take care of them. It depends where your parents mm-hmm. are at. <laughs> but, um, to me, it's like, I could do this job that I love. And, you know, I, I have always been in culinary, not just to cook, but also like for every other aspect of it, like how food has been an important part of every other culture, um, how food has been one of the motivators of like, launching ships to go find the new world across three continents. Like, uh, to me, food has always been fascinating in that it's been the one common thing in human history that's existed and, like, been persistent. Uh, so when it came to career choice, like, yeah, there's like discouragement from my mom and, like, my dad. Actually, even to this day, it's all kind of happens once in a while. Um, And then... You know, your elder members don't really understand what's going on. So they just either do the, oh, you're going to regret it later or the, oh, bah, bah, bah nah, like attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, like, you know, at the same time, it was hard to kind of go through that. And again, I was lucky to have systems that supported it. But yeah, eventually I hit a point where, like, you know, like I'm realizing that this is my life, this is my path. And like, I could fulfill, like, very easily go back to university and, like, fulfill what they want for me from like school and whatnot, but like be very like miserable and like is it worth sacrificing my not just like at that moment joy, but like is it worth sacrificing and changing your future just to like accomplish Oh, my parents want, And again, like, I have to recognize that I also haven't lived with my parents since I was 12. So, like, I've been a little bit away from that, like, pressure a little bit. Obviously, it's different when you're facing it face-on and you're living with them versus, like, a message or a call that you can ignore and just be like, I'll put that to the side. I'll just ignore that. But at this point, chefing has also become its own, like, little prestige,
0: so to
1: speak. Um, especially for I think the diaspora who have seen like Netflix and YouTube and all that stuff there's a different connotation of what you could be as a chef and so like I think there's an argument to be made now
0: right yeah that's really refreshing though like I and I think that's why we it was also important to me to get your content out there as well because like if there's youth watching the fact that you are you know kind of blazing through and like you said it's your life it's you love doing it and I think a lot of people need to hear that and to me that like resonates so much with me with all the Filipino like pressures and and uh I guess you know they always tell you oh I you know I struggled so much in the Philippines I brought you here and now what are you doing
1: so like again, like I, I can't even imagine that kind of situation because like to me, like I, I had the privilege of kind of being free from like the face to face every day. Mm-hmm. Um like I said, like I can't even imagine what it's like if you're trying to do this career and like you know, you just come from the Philippines and you're actually living with those family members because it's a lot. Cause it's now you're now you're like the other thing that people need to realize is that um cooking is always gonna be a mental battle. Like whether or not you're doing a pop up or you're line cooking, like you're always going to be fighting against your own brain. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's rough to take that in two fronts when like work and then going to work right, and then going to home and then taking that. Um, It's rough. It's hard. I can only assume it's harder when you see it face to face every day, like I said. But at the end of the day, like to me, I realized that our parents did come here from the Philippines to make our lives better. But isn't that choice, isn't making our lives better giving us that choice of being who we want to be and how we want to accomplish our lives? Because like to me, like again, like my parents sometimes still don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. but I invite them to my dinners because uh it's like a showing of like, A, like this is what I'm doing. This is actually what I'm doing, and this is why I've been keeping on this career. And B, it's also making them understand a different culture that they're not in the Philippines. They're understanding, like, you know, like, I want to show them that, like, we're changing our story, right? And I think for a lot of immigrant families, I think that's the point, right? Like, we want to change our stories. We want want a better life than what we probably would have had in the Philippines from what our parents' perspective was. And, like, in my opinion, having that freedom to choose your career and having that freedom to choose who you want to be and what you want to accomplish is part of that, like, betterment of the next generation if we as like those generations aren't going to support each other and like you know like then it's also doing a service to our parents because then like again in my opinion like that freedom that privilege to actually form your career and your life to uh something that you want at the end is not always something that's available back home and so like yeah i i honor that and like i don't really hold them wanting me to go back to college at 33 and like uh an offense because i understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. but i'm showing them how like i'm succeeding without that like diploma essentially
0: right yeah and that totally makes sense and for me too like i should preface that that like when i was younger being a chef was something completely different and you're right like being a chef has a different connotation now um but I'm curious though like when you invited your parents how did they react
1: Uh so like my dad lives in Vancouver so like I, d- I invite him but he can't really get here but mm-hmm. my mom came my mom's come to a couple of my dinners actually um I mean there's always going to be that like traditional sense where they're going to be like it doesn't taste quite great. Which is fair. And honestly, like mm-hmm. as laughable as that is, like, it means actually something. It means that you're yeah. still not quite hitting the right combinations, right? So like um truly, like before it was like a nervous wreck because I was like, I don't know how my mom's gonna react to some yeah. of my food. Cause like some of it is goes from like, oh, that looks okay to like that that doesn't look like what you're actually telling us. And so like mm-hmm. it's always the gamble because like will she understand? Will she even like it? <laughs> Um, but no, she's supportive when she eats, like, she'll actually eat everything. Um, uh, again, she might send me, like, college brochures, but she kind of understands my career a little bit more know, I do take her criticisms with, like, A, Green Assault, but also, like, I definitely, like, take it seriously. So, like, when she tells me, like, this isn't quite right, well, like, who would know this recipe better than the little lady who did it before I did? So, like, you know, so, um she criticizes some things and I take it and then it's either like, and I'll make it better or not. And then so far though, like, um, it's actually been helping us kind of connect. Cause like, again, like I didn't live with her since I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been using the dinners as a way of connecting like our history, like not just like Filipino history, but like our own personal familiar history. Yeah. It's been good, cause we've been using it to connect again to each other, like a little bit better. And then, yeah, I think she enjoys it. I'm pretty sure she would tell me if she doesn't. I don't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so I, you know, did you? You mentioned your sister and how she yeah. really supported you and, sisters, and if kind they of raised you. you. Pardon?
1: Sorry, sisters. If they watch this, then they see oh,
0: sisters. sisters. Plural sisters.
1: Save a life. Save a life.
0: Right. But um do you have any culinary influences that you like credit to the way you you are in your I guess in your journey? I
1: don't I don't oddly enough I'm probably one of the more competent cooks in my family. <laughs> so uh, uh, like my mom could cook, my sisters are like iffy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, oh. in um, inspiration wise honestly i take inspiration from just the environments around me um i really like street food because not because it's this cool thing youtube but because i think to me street food is one of the most honest foods you can probably eat from a country that you're not familiar with um you know i was raised on street foods also like so there's that but to me, like, there's nothing more honest. There's nothing more like direct, and there's nothing more like this is what people eat every day. Like the fancy stuff I make, and even like some of the buffet stuff is great. But like, that's not always the Filipino eats, right? Because like, I think what's more accessible is fishbowl. It's a fishbowl. is <laughs> a mm-hmm. um.
0: That's my favorite, by the way. I just have to input that <laughs> ball. Like we, when we go to the Philippines, I will take a whole cart and buy them out.
1: Yeah, and that's like that's what I mean, right? Like there's something to be said with the old recipes that, that I'm doing and like adobo will always obviously be there, but the mm-hmm. reality is is like more common than not like cuz we have merienda as like a afternoon snack. Mm-hmm. Um more often than not what people will eat is tuyo so or like anything mm-hmm. with like nakakain Yet it's fast because they're working, right? So that's why I love street food. That's why I, I take inspiration from like those flavors. Cause like, don't get me wrong. I love going to fancy restaurants, but mm-hmm. like to me, there's always a, mute, a muteness to like the flavor. Is always like an edge they don't take. Whereas street food, it's like this is the food it. and yes. so like, yeah. And so like, it's very unabashed. It's very unhidden. It's very much like this is gonna deal with it. <laughs> and so like, you know, like that's one of my inspirations because like, I think, I think the way the food is handled and presented and the way it's accessible, I think should be celebrated. I think food needs to be accessible to everybody. Personal wise, um, I don't really know. I guess like my mom did teach me how to cook, cooking like in, earlier on, but that was more as like a survival because she was a single mom working. So like, you know, I mm-hmm. had to cook. So, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But like career wise, like honestly, so many, like, um, Yo Yotam has been one of my favorites since I started learning how to cook. Um, he's a chef in New York. He does articles for the New York Times and uh The Guardian. Uh, but what he does is he speaks to the passion of like his Jerusalem like background. And so he talks about old like Hebrew cooking and old like uh Middle Eastern cuisine and the spices and the trade route and all of those like history that in my opinion it does add to what you're eating because mm-hmm. um I think the disconnect in our society right now I know it's spirit to hear that but um, <laughs> not a lot of people know where food comes from anymore uh you know like not in a sense of like oh it's an Atlantic or Pacific salmon but like where did that dish you're eating come from mm-hmm. and I feel that like people will respect what they're eating more and the people if they cannot understood the history behind it and so that's why I've been doing what I'm doing and with this patient because um, I saw Otto Lange like do it in, like, not personally, like in the video. I can't afford to go to New York yet. But <laughs> um, in a in the video, he was talking in a cloister about, like, you know, like, old traditions and old, like, history of Middle Eastern cooking. And to me, I'm like, you know, like, I feel like that's why a lot of the other cuisines are going forward, because there's a deeper understanding of, like, what you're doing and where we're coming from, better than just, like, we made ube. Eat it, <laughs> you yeah, know. Like, but we are also living in a place where we're the minority, right? So, we, if we explain our history, and if we actually each all of understand our history, I think, I think that will actually move a lot of our culture forward as well, and our food. But that's one of my. That's 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 essentially where I'm drawing inspiration from. Is just history and history and food and just. trying to remember like the Philippines as I was not the case actually.
0: Yeah I was really really interested in how you came about with the dishes we had tried at your pop-up
1: and it was
0: super interesting like even when you said that they didn't use was it soy sauce?
1: Yeah for adobo.
0: Adobo that was like to me, because adobo is such a staple and soy sauce always went hand-in-hand hand with it, I was yeah. just, like, mind-blown about that.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Honestly, like, it shouldn't be that controversial of a take, but even when I was kind of, like, doing that, I was like, do I do soy sauce? And I'm like, you know what, let's just not. So right. I actually found out there might be an original name to adobo, actually, so I actually found wow. it out four weeks ago. And mm-hmm. it might be, like, there's no way to confirm it, because some people erase mm-hmm. their history, but um it might actually be pinalam is oh. one of the first words for it
0: interesting and what does that translate to
1: uh made sour essentially
0: interesting yeah
1: and so like yeah um so that's what i mean right those little tidbits of history i mean i'd be the first one to say that i didn't know about it either before until i started doing this right mm-hmm. but like i said in the dinner like it's a story worth mentioning because part of our story
0: that is uh awesome i i love that because traditionally you know you go to i guess like your aunt's house and they just like throw some food on the table and you just know that that's going to be there at your next party but it's so interesting to know the the history and where everything came from and why they did it the way they did and so. To you, like, what what do you think has been, and you mentioned this in your dinner as well, that I think you said there's a big five, like Asian oh. cuisine. And then, like, has it been challenging or have you had any big obstacles in getting Filipino cuisine better exposure in Canada? Or like oh. even in Edmonton?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's weird, right? We're one of the bigger groups in Canada, as for like immigrants, uh, one of the most seen groups in retail and food industry. And yet, somehow, there is a definite struggle in getting like Filipino food in the forefront. Um, I think it's because people aren't familiar with it past like Adobo and Ube and like Hado Hado. And what we've presented to be fair, has also been, like, the nice things, right? So, like, um, Mm -hmm. I think there's always going to be a challenge trying to get Filipino food, and, like, I don't have any delusions that, you know, in what I'm doing is going to be the one that pushes it forward fully, but I think it's going to help. But like you said, like, we talked about the big five, which is, like, the Big five like Asian groups um, that are known culturally like and that have a sphere of influence. And so it's like Korean, um, I don't remember all of them actually, Chinese, Korean, Japanese, and then Vietnamese, and at this point, like Indian, really. And mm-hmm. so what in my opinion, what is very common along those five, and even maybe some that I have missed, is that there's already an understanding of history in all those cultures and that's how you're able to absorb their pop culture so fast is because you understand the context by which any of the motions and any of the food and any of the explanations are happening. We understand Korean culture and, sorry, not understand, I shouldn't say that. We have a knowledge of Korean culture and is very easily accessible enough to be able to be like, oh, that's what a kimchi is, right? We have chefs like David Chang who have made his career to make kimchi like, into the mainstream and Jung, um, Chinese cooking has added stars in Sussur Lee and like Jimmy, I think his last name is Wei, Jimmy Wang. We've also seen like Chinese chefs on TV since I can remember, like I chef, like mm-hmm. Japan I understand, but the Chinese and Japanese chefs always battled each other. Same thing for Japan. We know about the three war fetal feudal eras. We know about sushi in the history of it. We know about sashimi, we can, say what a tamago translates to but if i ask people what does um some filipino words translate to i'll get a blank stare and that's because in my opinion we're just a little too humble for our own good yes oh yes
0: i was hoping to pitch on
1: that (laughs) i think honestly it's also part of the culture right we're taught to absorb we're taught to adapt we're taught to survive and Mm -hmm. part of that survival unfortunately is adapting to your nature and like when you're transplanted in my opinion anyways is that you tend to not maybe reject but ignore your previous like culture and so like yeah i think to me that's part of the difficulty of pushing filipino food in the forefront in canada is that um the newer generations that were born here are a little bit disconnected and then the ones that have immigrated have been taught to adapt and so right now they're adapting, right? They're trying to absorb Canadian culture so they're not folks, which is fair. Like, I get it. It's always going to be a struggle. I feel like, though, that it's a struggle for any culture that's not in the mainstream to try to get out and try to get your voice heard. Um But honestly, there's a lot of creators, a lot more since I've even started kind of looking at them. Um, We might not be getting, like, the mainstream, like, volume, but at the same time, it's only a matter of time because people are doing some really cool stuff and very, very different stuff that's not just food. You know, some people are, some people are like motivators. Some people are creators of art and like it's forms. Like I cook, some other people cook, like some other people can sing. I can't sing. <laughs>
0: you fun. can't? Nick no, you're on. Filipino. <laughs> you can sing. Just kidding. I know, but I've yelled so much in my life
1: career that my voice lost <laughs> the I think. But you know what I mean. Like it's it's always gonna be a struggle. It's always there's always gonna be those blocks that you face when you're trying to do something. Um, I think that's just natural. I think it's weirder if you don't face those challenges. Um, mm-hmm. But by and far, to be fair as well to the community as a whole, there's also been a ton of support. So for every, I think in my opinion, for every challenge that I face, there's always been a group or two or a family that's always been like, "Oh, you can do this. But let's do this." The struggle is always going to be there. I think we all realize that. But honestly, you can only keep smashing against it until it gives way.
0: I like that. I like that. So now comes some fun questions for you. Or maybe, I don't know if you get asked this all the time, but like, do you have a favorite Filipino dish that you like to prepare or a signature dish that you do?
1: (laughs) So I don't have a signature dish because my brain works on like ADHD time. And so it's like, (laughs) Once I figure out a dish, I'm like, cool, that was good. Moving on. <laughs> and so like, um, very rarely do I revisit dishes. Actually, just in January was one of the first few times that I revisited revisited a couple of dishes to do again. But uh I love kare kare. <laughs> um, there's just something about that peanuts, too that every time I see it, I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Like kare kare has just that like textures, it's great textures between like the crunchy vegetables, the very soft, like meat, and like the eggplant. And then that salty from the peanut butter, but also that sweetness from the peanut butter. And Mm -hmm. then you get the meatiness from the beef. And then it's just like, it just works. It makes sense. I don't know how in the world we managed to get to the peanut tree part of our cuisine, because it's the only one. But I'm grateful we got there. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That is interesting. You know, I was watching something on the Food Network, where I think I was in Toronto. Don't call them this, but they okay. made kare kare do like a noodle dish.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Again, I don't, I don't, I haven't gone to the point where kare kare has become um something that I actually needed to recreate yet, just because I'm working through history. But I'm so yeah. excited, <laughs> just because yeah. like when, <laughs> like I get that it's like from? most likely india and or like Mm -hmm. maybe like some parts of africa Mm -hmm. but like it's so unique because like there's no other peanut butter application anywhere other than just peanut butter there's just something about that stew that's just warming
0: (laughs) yeah it's like soul it's like yeah soul food to me anyhow yeah what about, like, aspiring chefs? I know you do stuff with Make-A-Wish. Do you have any, like, I guess, advice or what you think <laughs> is the most important quality for a chef to possess? Like, for our young aspiring chefs.
1: Um. So, I'll answer the quality part first. Um, quality part? I mean, I've also been a joker my entire career. So, take what I'm saying with a grain of salt, so, obviously. <laughs> but... Um, I think one of the best things that I look for when I look for chefs, but also like in my opinion, what made me like able to go f- higher than most people is the fact that I'm adaptable um the kitchen is a fast-paced environment with uber amounts of pressure with the shortest amount of time and one of the most demanding customer bases you could possibly ever serve. And so like it's a high pressure situation and so, having a skill to adapt to stress and also to adapt to the situation to get a solution is a definite like asset because um when you're quick on your feet and when you're on your mind it's it's hard to stump you and so you're always going to be the first person to with the solution it also prevents you from like spiraling out and like stressing out so that's one of the more important ones I'd say. And then the other one is honestly just being hungry, like hungry for positions, hungry to to um hungry to uh move up and then hungry to learn. I think hungry to learn is one of the most important things that you could also have. Um you can go to school for cooking for sure, but when you reach a certain level in 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 culinary, it's very much a self-motivated like career depending on like what you're willing to learn about the industry and how much you're willing to learn about food in general um other than that for young chefs unfortunately you're gonna crash into difficulties um unfortunately some kitchens still do exist that don't take filipino seriously past like dishwasher or prep cook but like they're not the only kitchen out there and like realize the opportunities you might get, but also realize when it's time to leave that spot to so that you can ensure your growth. Um, Other than that, you know, the industry has changed from when I started. So like, it's a lot more welcoming now, to be fair. It's, there's a lot more importance placed in treating people like human beings. Um, It's a little bit better. It is, has still has its work, to be done but it's getting better it's slowly improving <laughs> too slowly but <laughs> um yeah like have fun with it i have to I have to battle have the point of getting and half the fun of this career is the people and the friends that you'll inevitably meet along the way i know that sounds cheesy but <laughs> there's also a career that'll suck up your time and like your energy And so the people you work with on the line become your family. And so, like, you know, like, before I can say this to myself, you know, I worked in a place where I had those, like, people where I had them like family and I didn't realize it until essentially when I left that spot and I was like, wow, I really miss those guys. And, like, yeah, that's part of the journey is to enjoy and to, like, see other people. Cooking isn't just, like, a stiff thing. Your personal experiences, your personal life, your personal tastes, always will mix into what you're doing, especially if you're doing something that is yours and that is from you. That joy, that sadness, unfortunately still does get folded in your food. So yeah, like part of being a chef is experiencing life. So, and tasting like what the world can offer you. So don't be afraid to taste what is weird. Um, Be adaptable and just have fun online as much as you can. But also know when it's time, like I said, when it's time to leave a place because it's toxic for your growth.
0: Hmm. That is really interesting. I also wanted to touch on because our next um our next episode will be uh with someone in the LGBTQ community. And you mentioned about doing more work with them. What does that mean?
1: you know, I never want to call myself an ally because to me, that's not up to me to decide. And I support the community. Um, I am basically an open honest because, like, to me, I value people based on their values and not their orientation. It doesn't really matter to me who you love. Love is love. And so, um, I don't call myself an ally because I think, to me, that's up to them to decide if I am being an ally to, like I said, like, I want to help the community in any way I can, but me being a cis male at this point, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, I don't think it's up to me to decide what it is they need. And so to me, I'm just trying to be open to the community to to what they need from me, because I think that's how I can help. You know, I work with the APITA Arts when I can, and when they want me, um, I open myself to like, the organizer there to like if you have any questions if you need any food please let me know um because i don't think it's up to me to hijack an event and be like this is an lgbtq support event because mm-hmm. like i am not from that community so it's like to me is that they want to throw an event i would like them to be at the forefront of that event the community as a whole and then me as a support because like that's the point right like i think to me um if you want to support a community, that community itself needs to be at the forefront of what's going on and not you as the person. And so like, yeah. So when I say like, I want to help the community more, it's more of like, you know, I'm open to helping them how I can. Um, but I will wait kind of for their lead to tell me how I can help them.
0: Mm -hmm. So what is this organization? Sorry. What is it called?
1: Uh, APIDA arts, A-P-I-D-A dot arts. Oh. It's, like, again, like, Asian Pacific Islander and Desi Indian. So, like, Southeast Asian, Asian, and, like, Desi Indian. So, like, yeah, they're an alliance of, um, obviously, LGBTQ community, LGBTQ plus community. Uh, But also, like, there are performers. They're burlesque dancers. They're singers. They're poets. They're like multiple disciplinaries um and i've been to one of their events and i gotta say it's a like, they're a lovely group of people mm-hmm. um but everybody with open arms and so yeah i just hope everybody accepts it with open arms too because like yeah i they're good people and like that's why i said like i want to help because um i just think it's right <laughs> like i don't know and so but, yeah whatever i can and however i can i'd love to help
0: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. And because I mean, mental health has been at the forefront of so many topics. You as someone who's so busy and trying to help the community, and like you said, like, your mind kind of goes in different places. And sometimes you feel like, oh, yeah, I did that. And then I'll just move on to the next thing. And you seem so busy and so involved. And how do you like de-stress or handle handle yourself in a way where yeah you don't burn yourself out or walk away and just be like you know what I I can't
1: (laughs) I think I'm just always permanently burnt out at this point in my career (laughs) Um, yeah um, I think honestly again I've been lucky in that because I've worked in this industry so long and I've been involved in management for so long that I've got a greater capacity for stress and just like general things now. Not a lot of things bother me anymore because like unless it's catastrophic like the oven turning on fire, like it doesn't really phase me that much. Mm-hmm. Um again I've been lucky because that's just my experience. Mental health wise though, like it's a lot.
0: Like
1: mm-hmm. um what people don't see that goes in this dinner is about like one to two months of like reading and combing through history books. And while that sounds mundane, it's like it's really hard to study history because as someone who's, like, wanting to find that connection, you, when you read about history, it's always with a grain of salt because, like I said, our history isn't always written by us. So it's like, so it it definitely messes with your mind and it definitely puts a little bit more strain when you study history because, unfortunately, history is just a recollection of what actually happened, well, most of the time. Um... Mm-hmm. and there's, like, there's going to be atrocities and there's always going to be like those like slights and like as someone who gets into what they're doing like for me like i get actually mad sometimes when i'm like studying and something happens and I'm, like well that's that's really not fair and mm-hmm. so like it's a mental load to take on that and then being able to like reciprocate that in like a acceptable way mm-hmm. but also like like you said like there's just a lot of different pressures in our lives right like i'm also doing a bench chef. I work with a bunch of different groups. Mm -hmm. Um, I anchor myself by honestly just being thankful for even having these opportunities. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I've I've been trying to claw, and out of this, I've been trying to claw into a career for like almost like, God, almost 15 years now. Um, I've always been the guy that's harped about Filipino food and like, why can't we just do that? And Mm -hmm. so like, now that it's all coming to fruition, like I find it hard and like I don't also don't want to look at your horse in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And so like to me it's exhausting to be do, do doing all this, but I'm thankful because mm-hmm. this is what I've wanted to do and this is what I've been kind of working towards. And you know, I've been lucky enough to get the attention of the Filipino Arts Council and then some Philly really sticks and yellow. Like I'm just thankful. I mean, as well as like my family too, right? Like I got a new nephew, so like there's been a great mm-hmm. bundle of like poking at him when I'm like getting tired and it's fine yeah um I think you just you just find like the access where you can right like I game as you can see I try to I don't have time anymore but Mm -hmm. I'll try to game if I have a minute just kind of like not think about what I'm doing for Filipino food for for a while but no I think honestly the majority of it is I'm just I'm just very thankful for where I am right now and like um I'm realizing that if I can just work through a little bit of what I'm exhausted out right now, and if I can just kind of solidify a couple more things, and then it'll mean a lot for the community. At least, I think to me anyways, it'll be a good impact for the community. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like, if I can do that, then it's kind of worth it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So um, now we get to the part where I ask you, how can we follow you in your journey? And, like, do you have like social media or I guess anywhere that we could go to experience your cuisine?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm mostly on Instagram because as much as I like to be on social media, I'm still an old man, so mm-hmm. I have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. Instagram is chef e. Briones Uh, if you're wondering how to spell my last name, it should be on the zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh. I'm mostly there. That's mostly where I post my fine dining stuff, but also sometimes Carbivore, which is my concept. That's a sandwich shop. Um, so uh,
0: I a question. Question. sorry, um, I have a question about Carbivore. Is that okay. something that's always on, or is it just you post when you're open? Or
1: so uh, Carbivore used to be in the ghost kitchen, so that's why it has a, a lot of posts. But now. Mm-hmm. That's a pop-up until I find a space. Yeah, and so that, if you're on Facebook, I'm also on Facebook as Chefy Briones. I'm very boring. I don't like to make cool names. Um, Mm -hmm. Other than that, if you're wanting to kind of see what I'm doing for food, this April, I'll be doing another historical dinner. Uh, This one is my rendition of Magellan's menu. And I say rendition because what I have for Magellan's menu as a menu by itself is just a list of ingredients. So we're just going to have fun and talk about the history of how people found my my homeland. Um, Other than May, if you're not able to go in April, um, May 20th is actually the targeted date of opening for the Epic Center. So if Mm -hmm. people are interested, we might be doing a dinner there. And then June uh, 14th to the 16th, I'm doing a... Dinner called Harana, which is celebrating our dances and our music. Uh, may as well I'm trying to do a dinner with food Repair Show with Winnie. Ooh, no way. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can do it for like a cause. Like I'm hoping I can do um give money to choose.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But yeah, those are what I have so far because I don't want to think too far ahead because I don't know if I'm gonna be in this in the province come July. So
0: what do you mean?
1: Uh, with the June dinner, I'm inviting two chefs—one from Winnipeg and one from Vancouver. Yeah. So the trade-off is I have to go to the privates as well.
0: So, can you <laughs> tell us who the chef is, or you can't yet?
1: Oh, that I wanna, Oh, uh, I'm okay. working with uh, Alan Panetta. He owns um the new Tiki Bar that opened in Winnipeg oh okay uh uh by Kubo and then he has the Bowen manila nights dinner series the other one is uh mark singson mm-hmm. he's from vancouver he's been in top chef and yeah he's doing the same wow. i'm doing and then august i'm actually going to winnipeg to do uh the festival with uh, Alan allen for mm-hmm. cultivation festival mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's going to be very Filipino this year.
0: Wow, wow, that is, that is, that's amazing. So, yeah, just to, I guess, just to recap, I want to thank you so much for coming on and um, sharing your knowledge and your journey and everything with us. It's so valuable. Um, And I think also very important to get it out there to the youth, like, who have dreams of being a chef. I think I would have benefited from this when I was younger, that's for sure. Um, Seeing something like this um, probably would have motivated me further. Um, And then we have the Magellan Dinner, and that's going to be at Philly Dix. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. And then May 20th, the opening, uh, projected opening of Epic Center, which, uh, if I guess if people are new, that's the um, Philippine International Center. Yeah, edmonton, edmonton philippine,
1: philippine. Filipino, or philippine international center yet
0: yes so epic um and then possibly may uh in may foods repair shop but you don't have the date there yet
1: no not yet just because like may is starting to get clogged and so i'm just like ah
0: yeah crazy i was just there foods repair shop it was,
1: oh, it it was it's, good. honestly like i can't speak highly of food enough the food's good winnie is an amazing human being. Um. The staff is amazing because they're half Filipino, but yeah. um,
0: and the DJ, like, like the DJs, the music, yeah. I love it. The
1: bartender is also Philip. It's just yes, it's a great place. Like it's a great place, and so like yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, awesome. And then uh June fourteen to sixteen is Harana, yeah, with your guest chefs from Vancouver and Winnipeg, Yep. Yeah. and where is that going to be?
1: That What's one your- is going to be at the Epic Center.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's the one. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's great. I think we've covered all of it. And you'll be in Winnipeg in August. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hey,
1: great. Yeah. I'm hearing all that, So what am I doing? <laughs> yeah.
0: You you need to get your calendar in order. Oh. <laughs> you're like, I feel like now you're like, I need to sleep. sleep. <laughs> Take i it like out. I
1: kind of got to in order with like five different things happening. I'm like, Hey, it's out of order. again."
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. Holy. Yeah. That's a lot, but I'm super excited. You'll see me at some of them. Uh, some okay. of your events. I for sure am putting time aside for that. So again, thank you so much. Um, we appreciate you being here. Um, and just to recap, I, I really love that, um, you're all about collaboration um inspiring the youth and as well as the lgbtq plus community um i'm very excited for what you're gonna do in the future and uh we're here for it (laughs) thank you
1: um Yeah. yeah no honestly this is great like uh it's great to finally find um similar voices that would rather work together than like kneecap each other so all yeah, right, thanks for having me here. Um, it's been great talking to you guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully talk to you guys and see you guys again soon.
0: So everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if so, please drop us a like or subscribe and follow us on our socials and share the episode if you can. Um, we're also building up future topics in a tabo. So if you suggest a topic, uh, we'll put it in our tabo. And if it's John, your pick, or your topic will become a future episode. So yeah, DM us if you have any future topics. So um, thanks for tuning in. And I hope we have uh, enough insight so that the next time you can hoy talk about it.